What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Motor City Hoops, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and Thunderous Applause, plus our coaching-focused podcasts. Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. That game uh, wasn't very pretty from the Wizards. Uh, they ended up losing, um, actually not that badly, uh, by 18 points. It looked like it was going to be a lot worse early on. The game started like 36 to 18, I think, at one point. So for them to only lose by 18 at the end is, like, I guess not awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, they came back in like the end of the third, early fourth quarter. Like, they did go on a run. They cut it to single digits at one point. But then, like, that one Alex Len flagrant foul kind of just, like, killed the momentum. And then... Like the next play, uh, Brandon Ingram hit a three when Jordan Bell went under the ball screen for some reason. And yeah, after that, it was pretty much over. But so coming into this game, the Pelicans were 5 and 10 overall. Um, they had their 27th in the NBA in point differential at negative 5.4, which is actually, it was two times worse than the Wizards coming into the game. The Wizards are, I think, were 19th in the league at negative 2.7 coming into this one. And um, the Pelicans had the 19th ranked offense at. 109.2, which you would never guess after watching that game. Um, and they're 26th in defense at 114.5 defensive rating. Um, yeah, so just going through like four factors, numbers, and stuff. <laughs> the Pelicans had a ridiculous 126.5 offensive rating, uh, which would put them in the 90th percentile. Like, you're not going to win many games if the other team is just playing that well offensively. And, like, yeah, they were hitting a lot of tough shots, but they it was so easy for them uh, on the night as a whole. Like, the Wizards just did not stop. They weren't able to stop them at all. Um, Wizards were at a 108.2, like, which isn't awful for offensive rating. Uh, but if the other team is, you know, the end net rating was, you know, minus 18, so that's not very good. Uh, effective field goal percentage, obviously, Pelicans 61.9. That's incredibly high. 
Um, the Wizards actually didn't turn the ball over that much, which is surprising just from like eye test watching the game. Uh, Pelicans got a ton of offensive rebounds, which um, I think coming into the game, the Wizards were second in offensive rebounds allowed. Um, so, you know, that's kind of uncommon for them. But again, they're playing without a bunch of dudes, so you can't really rely on those uh, whole season statistics too much. Um, yeah, and then the Pelicans, the Wizards actually got to the line more than the Pelicans did. So that's a good thing. Uh, in terms of shooting frequency, the Pelicans shot 41% of their shots at the rim in this game, uh, which, again, the Wizards are first in the league at not allowing shots at the rim. Um, so that's kind of an outlier. But coming to the game, the Pelicans were fifth in shots at the rim. Obviously, they have Stephen Adams, Zion Williamson. They have Eric Bledsoe. Like, they have guys that want to get to the rim. That's Well, I mean, every team wants to get to the rim, but obviously that's you know, specifically where the Pelicans do excel. So that makes sense. But they also shot a ton of threes. Uh, 43% of their shots were threes. And on the season... That's not really going like that doesn't coincide with what they do, um, and they end up shooting 40.5 percent from three. Um, so that's kind of that's really an ally for them because coming into the game they were um, 29th in three point percentage at 33.3, and for them to shoot 40.5 in a game that's that's a lot there. I want to see who uh, shot the threes. So Brandon Ingram went seven for 12. Like that's an anomaly. Uh, Lonzo Ball is three for seven. That's higher than his uh, three-point percentage this season. And Eric Bledsoe is three for nine. That's also higher than his. And the one guy on their team that can actually really, really shoot the ball, JJ Redick, was only one for four on the night. So it's kind of weird that they shot such a high percentage from three. But I mean, it happens. I mean, that's single-game shooting variance is a huge factor in the NBA. It's like one of the, I guess, lesser talked about things that could have a huge impact on your season and on any particular game and it did definitely have an impact on this one but again the Wizards just let them have whatever like basically whatever they wanted um so that doesn't always help uh just going through the box score um Bradley Beal had 47 points uh he was pretty ridiculous tonight uh, I'll get into him in a second uh just looking at the other side Zion Williamson at 32 pretty I think his career high is 35 uh, so he almost got there. Uh, Brandon Ingram at 32 points on 12 and 19 shooting. Oh, Zion was 12 for 16 and 8 for 11 from the free throw line. Pretty good night for him, uh, obviously. Um, just looking at Bradley Beal's shooting stats, he shot the ball 37 times, more out of necessity than, you know, like the Wizards have no other guys who can really, really create a shot. Uh, 6 of 14 from 3, 7 of 7 from the line. Uh, besides that, the second leading score was Garrison Matthews, had 15 points on 5 of 11 shooting and 3 of 9 from 3. And then after that, Lopez... Had 14 points on 5 of 8 shooting. He had like that really strange stretch in the second quarter where he had like 9 straight points off like just straight up post hooks. Like, I don't know when a team's going to figure out that every single time Robin Lopez touches the ball in the post, he's going to do a post hook no matter where he is on the floor. I guess it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so I guess first I definitely do want to talk about positives as always. Um, <laughs> so not much to discuss from this game. I guess obviously Bradley Beal. Like Bradley Beal is so ridiculous uh moving without the ball like that I, I feel like people don't talk about that enough just how good he is moving without the ball like so they put um well at first Lonzo Ball was on him and like Lonzo Ball isn't the best at getting around screens so you could tell like the, the, the Wizards were attacking that right so the Pelicans have like their bigs are um Steven Adams Zion and then Jackson Hayes coming off the bench and like none of those guys are like Steven Adams doesn't want to come out on the perimeter and guard Bradley Beal, right? Like, he just doesn't have the foot speed, doesn't have a lot of quickness to do it. And when that happens, Beal can step into threes, and he, you know, wasn't hitting them early in the game. Like, that happens. But again, Bradley Beal, like, attacking downhill on Steven Adams and Zion, like, that's 
that's a pretty good matchup. Like, uh, we'll take that. They're like Beal's just quicker than those guys he can get to the rim faster. Those, those kind of things. Clap to defense, kick it out. Uh, the problem with the Wizards is that like they just have they have no spacing in their starting lineup. Like Jordan Bell can't shoot at all. Like Lopez hit a three, but he's like can't really shoot. Um, Bonga is a pretty tentative shooter, and then Howonetto isn't a great shooter. He's fine. Um, but yeah, so like the first play of the game, the Wizards went to a pick and roll, and the player on the strong side was Isak Bonga. And like usually in the NBA, you just never help off the strong side corner because that's like such an easy kick out, such an easy three. But if your strong side corner guy is Isak Bonga, like the Pelicans are going to help on that, and they did. And that this was on the first play of the game, they helped on East, off Isak Bonga. The player was able to recover in, in time to contest uh, Bonga's shot just because like his release is pretty slow and it takes him like a long time to catch it and then get into his motion. And he missed, and the shot was relatively contested. So that was kind of like a sign of things to come. Like also on that first play, the uh, Jordan Bell and Dunker spot with Robin Lopez setting the screen. Um, there's just no spacing, uh, especially like Jordan Bell playing with another center like Alex Lynn or Robin Lopez. It's it's hard to watch uh, from an offensive standpoint. I'll talk about Jordan Bell later. Um, but yeah, Bradley Beal is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> just him, and a lot of his points were just coming off of him like doing so well moving without the ball and um i think like scott brooks like towards the end of the game like third end of the third quarter early fourth quarter those areas he did a really really good job of like coming up with some creative plays actually uh i gotta check my notes i gotta i didn't memorize them but um yeah so this is one play where beal like it was out of horns beal came out of, off an iverson cut and then the wizards went into an empty side uh pick and roll or empty empty side side pick and roll <laughs> Um, and it worked out really well. Beal got to the rim. He got an easy finish. And then the next play, the Wizards ran like, um, it was kind of like a side stack action, if that makes sense. And Beal got another really good look. He had a three, and then the Wizards were kind of rolling from there. Like those kind of just like creative things to get Beal moving off the ball, um, they really work. I really like when Scott Brooks kind of uses creativity more. But again, the lineup that was out there and Beal was doing those things were all players that have been on the Wizards for more than 10 days. Um, so, you know, without Alex Lennon and Jordan Bell, the Wizards can go deeper into their bag of tricks, uh, so to speak. Um, so that's always fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, So I guess I got to talk about Scott Brooks. Uh, I don't understand. The Wizards went under a lot of screen. Like, if you go under a screen against... Eric Bledsoe and basically anyone on the other team not named JJ Redick or <laughs> uh, Brandon Ingram, then that makes sense. I don't understand the theory behind going under screens set for Brandon Ingram. He stepped into so many easy looks just from three, just like wide open, just walking into them because the Wizards were going under against him a lot. Uh, that didn't make sense to me. And then again, against Zion Williamson, like you really got to like pre rotate. Like, first of all, Alex Lynn. And Robin Lopez are not quick enough to guard Zion. Uh, if these guys are guarding Zion, you, they have to sag off him. Like you cannot guard Zion is not a threat to score the basketball 15 feet away from the basket. There's no way to be like all the way up pressuring him. It doesn't make sense from a coaching perspective. And then also from a coaching perspective, you have to have help. Like you can't just leave Alex Lennon on the island guarding Zion Williams, and you have to pre-rotate help over to the middle of the lane to have someone's like just plopped standing there. If Zion like Zion's like, he can make, like, the obvious reads, but he's not, like, a high-level passer. Like, if you leave someone like Alonzo Ball, someone like an Eric Bledsoe, like, you're pre-rotating help over from those guys or, like, from Steven Adams even. Um, because, obviously, like, if Adams is if Adams is in the dunker spot, like, you can pre-rotate help over from Adams' man, have the guy guarding the weak side corner uh, help over onto Adams. And then, like, you're set from there. Zion isn't going to make, like, that high level of a read, uh, reading the, you know, backside defender. Um, so... 
just like you got to be more creative when you guard Zion and not just leave guys on. And then like eventually this, the final solution was to leave Jordan Bell on Island against Zion, which isn't great. Like Jordan Bell at least is an athlete on like the other two guys, but they just couldn't stop him. Zion got whatever he wanted. Uh, and t- it was, t- it was just easy for him. Um, and the other thing, like Steven Adams got 18 rebounds one of the, and he got six offensive rebounds. Like it's gotta be like a more of a group effort in terms of rebounding. Like I understand the wisdom of other guys, but like, Alex Len um, and Robin Lopez just have to do a better job in terms of rebounding. Jordan Bell actually did a pretty good job. He had 11 rebounds, uh, so that's good to see. Uh, but besides that, you know, not really much going on there. I guess <laughs> I got to talk about the, the... Oh, I guess one more positive. Garrison Matthews had a pretty solid offensive game. Uh, shot three for nine, but he's pretty active off the ball. Like Teams have to respect him, at least from a floor, pacing, floor spacing perspective. Uh, he didn't have the strongest defensive game. Something that was really fun to watch, actually, was um, Garrison Matthews and J.J. Redick guarding each other because, like, offensively, they're the same style of just, like, running around, trying to get a bunch of shots, like, trying to get stupid fouls on threes, that type of guy. And both each of them drew a foul against each other, so that was <laughs> that was fun. I guess fun to watch to me. I don't know how many other people on earth thought that was fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was cool to watch. Uh, Garrison Matthews, I really like him. I think he should definitely be a staple in the Wizards rotation. Uh, six-man, seven-man type of guy. Yeah, so I guess I got to move on to the negatives. Um, I guess easy one, get the easy one out of the way. How Neto, he's still hurt. Uh, you could tell he was. Uh, he had a groin injury. He hurt his groin the day that they came back after the huge uh, COVID, you know, absence. Um, so th- he only played 20 minutes and he didn't look good. But, you know, that's kind of why. Um, Isak Banga was okay on defensively, but offensively he was just like, not good. Uh, sometimes he's kind of fun with the ball in his hands, but sometimes he just like gets stuck just because like he can't turn the corner against anyone. And then he kind of picks up his dribble too early and then he's picking up his dribble and moving and like can't find an outlet pass. And then he turns it over like that happened a couple of times. Um, yeah, he just needs to develop more. And again, his shot, he needs to get more confident. It needs to like, he needs to be able to shoot it quicker uh, before he's really an NBA level, like rotation player. Um, I've been pretty high on him just as a defensive stopper. But, yeah, him playing 28 minutes is not really ideal. Uh, I guess Robin Lopez, I kind of talked about him in the positives. Like, he he had a positive offensive game, just defensively. Um, the athleticism of the Pelicans just hurt him. I knew he played 23 minutes in this game. Like, that's kind of why. Uh, and then I want to talk about Anthony Gill. Again, he's not really ready for NBA basketball. He played 12 minutes, scored zero points, and was minus 12. Um, Alex Len, this was, pro- this was a bad game from him. He fouled out in only 19 minutes. Uh, he just couldn't guard anyone on the other team. He had that terrible um, flagrant foul against Zion. That was, like, such an obvious flagrant. Uh, and he had that one awful step back three. That was, like, one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I guess Cassius Winston got a lot of minutes. Uh, he plays hard. He can. He's actually a pretty high-level. Like, he made a couple high-level passing reads in this game. Uh, just defensively, he's, he's just not, like, physically gifted enough to really defend at an NBA level. Um, but... It's it's nice to see him out there. Nice to see him get a chance. And I guess I got to talk about Jerome Robinson. Uh, <laughs> Jerome Robinson, I don't, I, he played a lot less minutes, so that's kind of a good thing. But he just doesn't really give you anything offensively. Like, I would expect more out of because So when he came out of the draft, he was like a lottery pick coming out of Boston College. And the theory of him coming out of Boston College was just like a small microwave scoring guard that can really create shots off the dribble. And, like, you see kind of, like, flashes of that in tiny moments, but, like, it's just not consistent at all. He's not a good player. Um, he's not a rotation level guy. Uh, the Wizards declined his fourth year option, so they probably like 
Fourth year team option, if you get it declined, the team doesn't believe in you. And that's just quite frankly the case with Jordan Robinson. And you know, it's obvious why, just watching him play on the court. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about in the Wizards um, is Jordan Bell. Um, he was two for nine, scored four points, minus 22 in 31 minutes. Um, he just doesn't know how to play basketball, <laughs> like to put it frankly. Like he is really athletic. He plays really hard. Um, that's, you know, kind of how he got to his 11 rebounds, uh, which is good to see. I always love guys who are athletic and play hard, but he has no clue how to play defense in a like team structure. Um, like, I don't want to be mean in the dude, but like, he has no idea what he's doing out there. Um, basically, every single time he was on the floor and the other team got a wide open layup, it was because he didn't rotate over from his help responsibility. Um, and that's just like that kills the defense. Like, just giving up open layups because someone doesn't rotate is really painful. Uh, he runs around a lot, but like, usually on defense, if you're running around a lot, you're out of position, and that's kind of the case with him. Um, he does this thing where he like just randomly switches and rotates on the guys when he's not supposed to like he rotates when he's not supposed to all the time and when he is supposed to rotate rotate he just like never does like i don't know you, you there's a reason that jordan bell wasn't in the league 10 days ago and it's because he does he has no idea what he like he has no idea how to play defense and then also it, it just kills the spacing the fact that he can't shoot at all like he won't even really look at the rim from three-point range he shot one it missed pretty badly um you know he has like a pretty big two motion shot uh, it's kind of like a no hope uh, going in type of thing. Uh, he's just not a valuable offensive player at all. I'd love to see the Wizards get him into more ball screen action. Like they did that a couple of times um, when Zion was on him, and that actually worked pretty well. Just because like Zion is not a very good defensive player, especially if you get him into a ball screen. Um, so I wish Brooks went to that more, but they just didn't. And yeah, I don't. Unless so, the, the Wizards signed Jordan Bell on the hardship provision, which is just like if three players are out for a certain amount of games and. They can go over the roster size limit on a 10-day contract, and that's what the Wizards did to get Bell. Um, if the player, if you know, like all the players out because the COVID protocols don't come back, then I can imagine Bell getting another contract. I don't know if he deserves one, um, but he definitely doesn't deserve one when people come back. Uh, he's clearly a G League guy right now, um, but you know, I guess we'll see how that all pans out. I guess. Let me. I I didn't even go through the shot chart actually, um, so. Yeah, Wizards are 16 for 27 at the rim. I'll just go through the big areas. 8 for 24 from above the big threes. Um, Pelican shot chart has a lot of green in it. They're 22 of 32 at the rim and 16 for 37 from above the big threes, uh, which again, like that's 43.2% and league average is 35.8%. So shooting like that much above league average, eight points above league average, um, that's pretty significant. Like that's going to like just clearly change the game. And like if it quite frankly did, um, the Pelicans aren't a very good shooting team. They shot the ball really well, and that it really did hurt the Wizards um, just from the whole entire game perspective. So there is a bit of lo- like shooting variance involved in why the Wizards lost, uh, but th- they just don't have the talent. Like they didn't have the talent to compete with these guys the whole entire game. Bradley Beal tried his hardest. Uh, there was talent from a talent perspective. The Wizards just weren't there. Um, I gotta check my notes to see if there's anything else I want to address. Uh, but this is gonna be a shorter episode. All right, there are actually a couple of things I wanted to talk about. So the first one is the Pelicans. They ran like these super interesting actions with uh, Zion and JJ Redick. At, it was like early in the fourth quarter. And so like the first one was um, like there's an NBA concept. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like so when the roller uh, goes like to the basket and then they have someone like planted in the middle of the lane. So his defender is already in perfect help position. And then he rises after the guy starts rolling. And that's the play that Alex Len got a 
really bad flagrant foul on. But like JJ Redick was in the lane and he rose up. And Garrison Matthews didn't help position, but he didn't want to leave JJ Redick, so he rose up with him, just leaving like no help at the rim. And then just leaving Zion uh, Williamson with just like a wide open shot. And I thought that was an awesome play. And then the next play down, they ran an elbow pick and pop uh, with JJ Redick setting the screen for Zion. Um, for Zion going to a strong left side. And I thought that was also an awesome play. And they got a pretty good look out of that one. Um, and another thing I wanted to talk about was, let me check. Oh, the Wizards 2-3 zone. Um, they, the Wizards like to go to a 2-3 zone a lot. I actually really like the theory of going to a 2-3 against the uh, Pelicans. So the way the Wizards run it, they have their guards go up um, pretty high, like three-quarters court, you know, kind of just light pressure. And, um, yeah, so usually what the Wizards... It's, like, more of a matchup zone, but then it's, it is it is a 2-3. Like, it's, it's a 2-3 matchup zone, like the type of zone, like, people play in high school. Um, again, I think they part of the reason they run it is just because it's easier, especially for the new guys. But part of the reason is because the Pelicans aren't very good at shooting threes. Uh, but they attacked it really well, like going inside, kicking it back out, like being able to drive and kick. They got a ton of open looks. They And like credit to them, they hit the shots that they created. Um, but the theory behind going zone against a team that's not very good at shooting um, is something I kind of I like. Uh, it just didn't work out in that game. And that, again, due to shooting variance, like the, it happens sometimes. Um, you know, that's the last thing I wanted to address. Um, I guess <laughs> if the Wizards was the next game and Bradley Beal looks a little really upset I might have to talk about when to trade Bradley Beal um his value is at an all-time high right now so you know maybe soon maybe uh, maybe at a certain point I'm gonna have to do an emergency episode about a Bradley Beal trade but yeah then this podcast would get really really painful to do every game watching Russell Westbrook lead the team okay anyway I don't want to talk about that um so yeah the next game the Wizards play against against the uh Hawks on Friday uh, so hopefully, like, tune into that game. It's going to be earlier. This one was pretty late, and I didn't like it. Uh, but the Hawks one, the Hawks game is uh, Friday at 7 o'clock. Hawks are 9-9. Um, hopefully the Wizards get their players back, and they can actually play a real NBA game instead of what we've been watching these past couple games. Uh, so, yeah, join us for that, and all the podcasts coming out the night of or the day after that one. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.